everyone, I'm Lily. And I'm Anna, and welcome back to At Home With Lily and Anna. A podcast where we catch up every week from our homes in London and Brighton. We are back. We are back. Um, We feel a bit rusty, but we also feel refreshed. We feel refreshed. We feel prepared for the next 10 episodes of the new season. And we're very excited to be celebrating ladies this week and taking some time to talk through inequality in the workplace, with childcare, in the home. Like, ladies, you're amazing. We want to celebrate you. We're going to talk about everyone. And we're just, we're here to have a good time today. I'm excited. It's going to be a good one. I feel pumped to be back. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Right, let's start with our top five. I have three this week, sorry. (gasps) Really? Well, two and a half, two and a half. Okay, I have one. I'll try and keep it quick. You have one, (laughs) sorry. Go on, you go first. I should be saving them for like, I'm going to regret this next week. But, you know, it's been a while. We've been gone for a while. True. I have a watch, like, share, repeat. I'm obsessed with watching this girl. If you need something relaxing and calming to look at on your social media, go to Supper Ceramics on Instagram. I don't know if you follow her. No. Her name is Shenny Yu Ding. And she was in the Great Pottery Throwdown last year or this year. My parents love that program. I haven't watched it, but I have to because I'm obsessed with ceramics. (laughs) Like, if I was... In another life, I would love to be a, um, how do you say it? Ceramicist. Yes. I can't even say it. (laughs) But but you want to be it. Yeah. (laughs) Get it. It's just so relaxing. Anyway, she's based in East London and she does these like reels of her making pottery like on the wheel and they're so calming and relaxing and she's beautiful and she's so cool and I want to be her and I I need to check it out. That does sound very, I'm relaxed just hearing you talk about that. Yeah. yeah. When they like when they like use their finger to make like the little like line around the pots and you're like, oh, that was so smooth. And they make it look easy as well. You're like, oh, I could do that. And then yeah. if you ever go to a pottery class, you're like, this is really hard and everything yeah. looks wonky. Yeah. yeah. She does show her mistakes <laughs> as well, which I appreciate oh, I love that. when it all just goes like, <laughs> um, so she's great. Uh, yeah. Do you want me to carry on or do you want go to go for one? an No, go for another one. Go on. Okay. Top of the box. I'll keep it short because I've actually been doing work with um, now TV so you guys have seen this all over my Instagram this is not part of the job but I have to talk about your honor on now TV because it's just that good it's got Brian Cranston in it who's the guy from um Breaking Bad oh okay. amazing yeah yeah and it's about a judge a very like high up well-respected judge whose son is involved in a hit and run accident and I'm not joking like the first 15 minutes you're like oh my god it is so <laughs> gripping the whole thing he's brilliant I just haven't watched anything in that long that is like just so gripping. Everyone I know has watched it, loves it. Uh, yeah. You have to watch it. Li- honestly, like Lily is not bullshitting here. Like she yeah. actually <laughs> has spoken so, she's told me before this podcast, she's like, Anna, you really need to watch it. I don't have now TV, but I'm tempted because I, yeah, I love you a can, little TV subscription. You can subscribe and cancel it. It's like rolling. So you oh, can okay. just do it for like 10 pounds for the month okay. and then like cancel it. So yeah, it's 100% worth it. It's just... Brilliant. Okay. I've added that to my list. I, I do have a watch, like, share, repeat as well. Yes. I guess, yeah, no, it is watch, like, share, repeat. So you guys know that I'm the biggest fan of Drag Race. I'm obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race. And the fact that there are two seasons running in tandem. We've got the US season 13, which is on Netflix in the UK, and then the UK season two, which is on BBC iPlayer in the UK. And the fact that they run together, like... It's, uh, this is just what we need right now. Like feel good, 
inclusive, diverse TV. Like it, it oh, I mean, it just, it makes my heart happy. It makes my heart just absolutely sing. Mark has really got into it this year. Like he loves it and he's like, he's pretending not to watch it, but he's watching it, you know, like he's playing his little game, his Nintendo, I don't know what it is. Which but, one do you prefer? Oh, I, I love the UK one because Ooh. obviously there's like, there's references like this week, um, they had an EastEnders challenge. Um, oh and God. also the category for the runway was pantomime. Okay, um, I love that. So yeah, like just those are forever a recommendation from me for more top of the box. But watch like Share Repeat. The good thing with Drag Race is it inspires a lot of spin-off content. There are podcasts, there are YouTube videos, like follow people on Instagram and there's like more stuff on there. So it really, there really is a lot, there's a lot to watch here. And Bob the Drag Queen previous drag queen from I'm not sure what season she was on but like very well known drag queen like done very well out of this has a YouTube channel and a series called Purse First Impressions and she does she gets on another drag queen every week and they sit there and they discuss and go through um, each episode of the UK drag race and watching American drag queens try and get their head around <laughs> UK, all like our UKisms is so fun. They were trying to explain pantomime to each other, and it was <laughs> just so, in America. no. And like That's above so the funny. drag queen is like, oh, there's a thing where it's like, oh, it's behind you, and the other drag queen is like, oh, ha, ha. like. <laughs> it's, and then they try to explain um, EastEnders to each other, and it's just it's so fun. Bob the drag queen is just an amazing drag queen. I love Bob. And it's just so fun. It's just so fun to watch them together. And they're so, like, the American drag queens just love the UK drag race. And it's, oh, I just love it. It makes my heart so happy. I need to watch it. I forget. Like, all you do is talk about about (laughs) drag race. And then I just, when I'm like, oh, there's nothing to watch, I just forget. You have to. I mean, if you want to start somewhere, I particularly love season five of the US one. I mean... Alyssa Edwards and Coco Montrese is a a classic duo it's on Netflix but the funniest thing was Mark went to upload a a YouTube video onto my channel this morning and you know your recommended box on your YouTube homepage Mark was like four out of eight of the videos were drag race related (laughs) I was like what can I say YouTube knows me really well knows me really well there you go (laughs) amazing um, I have a show and tell. Well, ish. Ooh, okay. I don't even know what the name is. I'm, it's it's basically your show and tell. I'm handing it over to you. Oh, okay. Because guys, big news. What's the big news? I wore a thong this week. <gasps> last week. <laughs> and you know what? You didn't provide feedback. You said, I'm wearing a thong. And I was just like, wow, what? This is obviously all over WhatsApp. And then you ne- I was like, how is it going? And you never responded. Okay, this oh, is the I moment. Oh, I didn't see that. Sorry. This is the moment. Um, Anna, I was like, right, Anna, I need to just try one, okay? I'm just going to give it a go. So I was like, what's your recommendation? And uh, you told me to buy dot, dot, dot here. I'm handing it over to you. What's it called? The Chantel Soft Stretch Thong. And Anna was like, disclaimer, it's one size fit all. And I was like, what? I know, sounds like, like, but it works. We hate that. That's like the Brandy, whatchamacallit. Oh, Brandy Melville. Brandy Melville, one size fits all. We hate, yeah. But when it comes to stretchy under, I was like, okay, let's see. I mean, first of all, it works. I don't know how it works, but it does. It did fit. <laughs> Great. That was weird. Um, and I've actually got a pair of knickers from that brand. So I was like, oh, I'm intrigued because they are very comfortable. Yes. They were a gift from someone. Um, so do you know what? It wasn't as bad as I thought. <laughs> there were definitely, I'd say 80% of the day, I forgot I was wearing a thong. 
Wow, is, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, but there were definitely moments of the day where I was like, oh God, I've got something up my bum. It's a bit itchy. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say. But do you know what? I'm not going to wear a thong every day okay. like you. Um because I think that's mad when you're <laughs> home in tracksuit bottoms. But I'm de- I'm gonna buy another another one. I'm making a John Lewis order today for some other things. I'm gonna get another one and I'm gonna have them there for when I'm wearing trousers where you can see your VPL or if you're going out. And thank you for introducing me to a thong that isn't the worst thong ever. Oh my, wow. Wow, <laughs> I was not expecting that. I feel quite proud. I feel quite yeah, proud. Yeah, you should, you should. Can Everyone I... needs a friend that can introduce them to a good thong. Can I just say that the Chantel range is just mm. a great range. Um, they've got really nice vest tops. Like their bras are lovely. Um, and also they're one of these ranges. It's kind of annoying because I feel like a lot of the UK retailers don't, retail and hold like every single one of the shades but they're not one of these like bollocksy oh there's just one nude do you know what I mean oh it's yeah. nude and it's flesh flesh toned yeah. white color like yeah. they're really inclusive in terms of their like shades that they do um which I just think is brilliant so yeah Chantel we stand I mean I feel like they're the Birkenstocks of the underwear world <laughs> like you know how Birkenstocks you're like it feels like clouds like you can't even feel them on your feet yeah like that for underwear there you go that's the tagline <laughs> so we had always planned to do this episode we got very confused with dates and we actually thought we'd be recording this on international women's day which we're not we're like a week and a half later for that but with everything that has happened in the past week with obviously sarah everard and blessing who was found on a beach in um i think in sussex somewhere and that's like an unexplained death like it's just been a really shitty week for women. It feels like it feels like it's been heavy. It's been hard on everyone, like every single woman in my life. I feel like I've spoken to about this. It's like, especially the guys like me and Lily were talking the other day. This has really inspired us to have a lot of conversations with Mark, with Rich. And yeah, yeah it just, it feels like a, a heavy kind of week. I mean, it then was bookended with Mother's Day. Like it's just, been it's a been really bizarre. strange, strange time. Um, but we always we always plan to do this episode. And I actually think more than ever, it's important to do this episode. We want to celebrate women. We want to talk about topics that maybe aren't as discussed as often as they usually are. So yeah, it feels like a poignant, timely kind of twist of fate that we're doing this anyway. But yeah, we just want to send good vibes to everyone because it's it's been a week. It has been a week. Absolutely. Sending lots of good vibes out there. And there are so many topics that fall under this. And we're yeah. obviously not going to be able to cover them all, but we've pinpointed some things that we feel are quite relevant to us and that we think you guys will be interested in hearing about. And we're also going to invite a friend of ours on just for the beginning section of this, because obviously we're aware that Anna and I are in quite a unique position with our jobs and neither of us have worked in like a traditional workplace setting for quite a while. So we're actually going to invite a friend of ours on called Lucy Lendrum, who we work with. And she's also a very good friend of ours. Yes. Um, I'll let her kind of introduce herself and what she does, because I don't even really know, to be honest, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's very official, but, very official. But she is one of the most inspiring women in my life. Um, she is girl boss is that still a thing people say i think people kind of the girl boss thing is like a little bit grim and overdone but but, but she really no but she really is that she really (laughs) is the embodiment of like someone that we've known 
for years, like yeah. seven, eight years, and has flown up the ranks in mm-hmm. quite a male-dominated business in a way. Um, so yeah, just super proud of her success. She's and very, I always go to her for advice. Always, she's, she's the very inspiring best with advice. She yeah, is the best so. advice. So I feel like she'll have some good stuff to add into the conversation. We're going to keep it super casual. She's just going to join on as another little friend to chat. Um, so should we should we call her and see let's if she's around? Yeah, let's right. do this. <laughs> Hi, Lucy. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the At Home with Lily and Anna podcast. Thank you. <laughs> we made this work. Woo! This is true. We've worked it if out. It's, if it's being listened to people, that means we technically managed it. Yeah, <laughs> true. Hopefully, hopefully. Thank you for coming on. Uh, like we said before, we just wanted we wanted you to join in the chat because I just immediately thought of you when we were planning this episode, and I was like, Lucy's going to have some interesting stuff to say. This is the sort of chat that we would just talk to you about, like offline, anyway. Um, before we start, just in case anyone doesn't know you already, can you tell our listeners what you do for work? Yes, <laughs> for work, just to clarify. <laughs> not just in um, general. <laughs> not for fun. Um, yes, so I am managing partner at Gleam Futures, uh, which is a talent management company for digital first talent, just like Lily and Anna, who I've been working with for about eight years. So I was once upon a time was their talent manager. Jeez. Yeah. Ooh, that was a much uh, better intro than yeah. the one that I did at that Space NK event where I went, this is Lucy, she's my manager and um, best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, was very kind, but awkward. slightly awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We just think you're kick-ass and we, just, we thought that you'd have some interesting feedback and comments on a section on equality in the workplace that we wanted to do because ultimately... Mainly we don't really have a workplace. And if we do, it's obviously very virtual at the moment. And we sort of, we do, we obviously like work with you and your team, but in a, in a different way to what a lot of other people do. So you actually work normally in an office, in a workplace. Therefore, we feel we feel like you have some decent feedback for us here. And and it's the kind of stuff that we, you're right, we do talk about it all the time, don't we? Um, we have regular conversations yeah. about this just because we're, women of a similar age and um in the same way that you would talk to your friends about these topics we talk about them as well um and it's a massively female business uh, did the stats this morning 81 percent female wow uh, really yeah which i know is probably well, i don't know is that unusual i guess it depends on the on the um industry that you're working in yeah but yeah very female so so high up hopefully. i reckon there's more men right um yes Although our senior leadership team is five women, four men. So oh, we're, interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a really female business. But you're right. It is um, of, of, the, of the few men that we have, they are in somewhat senior positions. There's a bit of a mix, but you get the gist. Yeah. yeah. You need the context. So we're going to talk about lots of different things from like quality in the workplace, imposter syndrome, maternity leave. Should we kick it off with a question from our Facebook group? Yes. Sophie Dillon asks, I love this topic. What about imposter syndrome? Um, which is what we guys, we talk about this a lot. I just started a new job and called my sister in a panic saying that I felt completely out of my depth and underqualified. She reminded me that for decades, men have been getting appointed for jobs that they are highly unqualified for, yet they don't get filled with self-doubt like we do. 
There was also a really interesting comment from Rebecca who commented underneath that. It had like quite a lot of feedback on the, que- the question, which I loved. And Rebecca said, why is imposter syndrome framed as our problem when it's a natural feeling if you've never had any female role models in the workplace? Which I think is kind mm. of, in- which is true. It's interesting. It's like, of course you're going to feel like that imposter. Why am I here? Do I fit here? How has this happened? If you if you haven't got anyone to look up to that looks it like feels you, like our problem feels like because you. men aren't thinking about it because maybe they don't know how we feel about it or isn't spoken about enough. Yeah, I I have a controversial view, which might be wrong. This is the other thing. Scientifically, I don't know what the answer. You know what a, a report would say on this, but I reckon guys massively suffer from it, but they just don't let it stop them. Um, yes, or, and they don't talk about it. I'm sure there are men I, like I can imagine or remember even meetings where I feel like a guy has been uncomfortable or but yet it's not something that men talk about yeah um so I don't know if it's that we're we're more vocal about it or we're just more affected by it um but I agree female role models is so important in every sense yeah maybe they're more maybe they feel it too but if they put on a kind of confident front, it's more easily accepted. Whereas for a woman, maybe it's like easier to see through. I don't know. Is that a thing? Yeah, maybe. I really don't. I really genuinely don't don't know what the answer is on it. I think that um, I think it's so um, is systemic the right word. Yes. In like in women. Ingrained. Ingrained. Ingrained yeah. in, in women in everything that we in everything that we do, that we're the lesser sex. And I, we're not it's we we're not in equal territory yet. And I think that plays a part. How did you find it? Like have you suffered with imposter syndrome? Like I seem to remember you having a female mentor at one point. Yes. Um I mean I suffer with imposter syndrome every single week without fail. <laughs> um, now you've got a quite a, a really high up role in the company which is quite relatively new that must be something you've been feeling recently yeah definitely and I've, I was joking with Lily and Anna earlier that I've turned up to this meeting with no makeup on but I don't turn up to all company meetings with no makeup on and it's because it's like a I also wear heel. I'm quite sure I wear heels in the office because it makes me feel more grown up um and and so that uh, not just men, but people generally aren't looking physically down to me. I mean, they are still a bit because I am tidy. But um, there's so, so many things that I do just to make myself feel like I'm... It's like armour. Yeah. Um, that you're getting getting ready. And even in lockdown, I'll be leggings on the bottom and I'll have my hair and makeup done, which is ridiculous because I hate doing my makeup and I hate <laughs> taking my makeup off. Um, so it's, And it's a waste of money. What's the point? Um but it makes me it makes me feel more empowered, um, and these are the things that I think that I have to do to mitigate some of that imposter syndrome. But I genuinely feel it every week without without fail. I know I'm also quite young in my role, young and female. Um, I have had female mentors, and I work with a with a coach at the moment who is a, a woman who was managing director of a big ad agency. And she's great for just like sense checking. I feel like this. And she's like, yeah, well, yeah, of course you do because of these reasons. It's it's a sense check where there's a lot of bravado and a lot of people, you know, pretending that they've, they feel comfortable and that it's all easy. And she mitigates some of that and makes me realise that everything that I'm feeling is quite normal. Um, so she's been fab. That's so interesting. Like that you, yeah. do you think you'd feel different in your role if you didn't have that coach? Oh yeah, I don't, 
I don't know if I'd be where I am because of her. Wow. Um, yeah, it's like it's I honestly would recommend it to anybody. And a coach is is one thing, but even mentorship is amazing. And there are so many. It's so flattering to be asked to be somebody's mentor that people very rarely say no. So <laughs> if there <laughs> is somebody tip. that you that you think is great and you admire, then I really would. Um, I know it takes some courage, but garner that courage together to ask somebody to mentor you because if it's only you know a coffee once every six weeks or something like that it's not a huge time commitment but it's like that work therapy that's a it's just a sense check a woman who's been there done it before um and can understand you and and also I find it quite helpful because they it takes you outside of your head and gives you alternative ways of thinking about stuff not even just imposter syndrome but if you've got a work problem they'll be like oh what have you thought about this and you're like oh yeah why, I'd be terrified to ask someone to be my mentor. I would be, I'd, I think I'd have the guts. I don't know why. I did it in writing because I didn't have the guts to do it verbally. But I think that's quite normal. Yeah. I think that's such a good tip. And how how you're describing your relationship with this woman, me and Lily obviously aren't mentors for each other, but it is having that connection with someone who is in a similar role, in a similar situation. And like you said, can sense check things, can give you alternative views on things, or if you're feeling wobbly, can pep you up. Like me and Lily, I think are actually quite good at this. If one of us is having a wobbly week, the other one is like, you got this, right, cool. Like, have you thought of this? Like, well done for, like Lily's so sweet. She's like, well done. Your vlog this week was really good. And like, I messaged her last week and was like, I loved your vlog this week. It was really, really nice and like positive. It made me feel really good. Like having that relationship with someone, whether they're your peer and they're on your level or having that mentor, can really help you to break down those barriers of imposter syndrome or just feeling uncomfortable in yourself, in your role, whatever it is. I love that tip of being like, I'm going to ask someone to to do that, like to have this relationship with. It's so difficult in your jobs as well, because there aren't women who've been there before you. Because yeah, of when you, when you guys started, it's just that you, you might be that for somebody who's starting now. But, but you're not able to find those people in your... And to be honest, somewhat similarly, because our whole industry is so new, I had to find somebody in an industry that kind of made sense. Because um, you're never going to find somebody who's literally been there, done that. But you two are amazing at pepping each other up. Um, and I think what that what that takes is a lack of ego. So yeah, because you are true. peers, like you both park your egos to support each other. And I know that um, that that might be harder in a in a more conventional workplace maybe maybe I mean it shouldn't be but um but I think you two have done a marvelous job of of doing that to support you I think we just realized that the priorities was like I couldn't do this without that so yeah we either do it and we do it that way and we're not competitive and we have no ego or we do it alone which yeah. wouldn't be possible you're, you're right though no. that in a traditional setting that could be harder there's one promotion that you're going for and like that that I think ultimately can fester more competition so totally see where you're coming from and actually this leads really well onto the next comment that came from Maria who said would love to hear your thoughts on women putting other women down this must be a thing in your industry I can imagine um because you're right like all, all of what we're talking about here is is women building other women up like we have to do that like you have to have these mentors these relationships with your peers you, it's surely just the right thing to do do you think that in your industry, I say your industry as if it's not mine, but in your world, do you think that women put each other down? I think 
there's more pressure from the general public and the viewers to want with us to be putting each other down and competing with each other. I find there's a real pressure, little things that sound so silly saying it now, but our, our friend Ruth, uh, I filmed a, oh, what is it? We filmed very similar videos at the same time, but didn't realize. And on, on WhatsApp, we were like, oh my God, lol, I just filmed that too, me too. And it was like so funny behind the scenes. It was like, okay, I'll comment on yours, you comment on mine, and then people won't think we're copying. But then on the other side, you see it's like, oh, you're so copying that person. It's like people want yeah, us true. to compete and clash. And there's a lot of that on the internet, I find, whereas it's just not the reality. I, I think we, I think in our industry, it it doesn't make sense to go on the record and put someone on blast. Like, why? Mm. Like, what good comes from that? I think, especially in the UK lifestyle content creator world, especially, I think there is quite a culture of, if you haven't got something nice to say, then don't say it at all, especially about someone else. Also, you're not going to like everyone in your workplace. You're not going to get on with no. everyone. You're not going to be busy mates. Like that is normal. Like you didn't, mm. that didn't happen at school either. You're all kind of just lumped together. There'll be people that you gravitate towards more than others. Um, but what good comes from shitting on other women? I found it harder in the traditional workplace before I did this job. Like in this job, I think that we all kind of know the pros and cons that come with this job and we appreciate each other and we know that we will have different struggles. And so I think it's more the audience think that of us, but actually the reality is it's not like that. But when I worked in a traditional office, I found that quite challenging. And maybe that's because in a traditional office workplace, you're less in control of your career. You know, you have a boss that's deciding whether you're going to be fired or promoted. And so maybe the women are, feel a bit more threatened in that environment because I had in my job that I did before this the met the people high up were men and then there was like women that were higher up and I really struggled with some of my female bosses um in the horrible atmosphere there and we had a horrible example once where one of my peers they wanted to fire her but the only legal way they could do that was to bring me and her into a room and tell us that they were going to review both of us and let us know in 24 hours who that they were go who they were going to let go so we had 24 hours of having this horrible like oh it's you or me and oh. I, I remember I complained and I was wow. like this is awful and it was a horrible atmosphere and this was all run by our female boss and I remember thinking why are you allowing this to happen like this is not okay oh it was it was awful it was awful so I found it much more challenging when I had a traditional job do you think that's because there's more of like an established hierarchy in yeah, in that definitely. kind of traditional workplace? Because because I agree, you saying that, not that I ever had an experience that was that horrific, but you talking through that, I was like, I, I agree with you. I think I struggled more with that when I was in a traditional workplace instead of working Absolutely. for myself. Agreed. I have more imposter syndrome now because I'm, I feel like I'm pretending to be an expert in things that I completely made up and taught myself. I'm like, whenever I'm near like a, anyone who's a professional video editor or photographer or <laughs> anything, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. But <laughs> I, you know, I don't give myself credit for the things we have been able to do. But yeah, in a traditional workplace, it's like this, you feel like you're in this ladder. And yeah. you're like, she's above me. He's above her. I'm, oh, we're in the same role, but is she getting paid more than me? Am I getting paid more yeah. than her? Who's going to get promotion first? It's like, ah, it's just awful. It's like, how do you unpick that? Because the hierarchy isn't, I mean, I, I do think generally there's been shifts in how hierarchies in, in business work, um, but it still exists. 
And it's that, and that's what's fostering that um, competition, isn't it? And I think the only way to mitigate that is, again, I think so much of this comes back to women showcasing behaviour that is the opposite of that. Yeah. So women publicly saying, oh my God, this woman over here is incredible and she did this. Or if a man speaks over a woman in a meeting room or a woman speaks over a woman in anyone (laughs) speaks over a woman in a meeting saying oh actually Sarah Sarah was just saying you know doing that stuff so visibly yeah um is the only real way to make positive change I don't know what do you think yeah like Anna you know how me and you sometimes this used to happen more at the beginning because it's kind of different now but I'd get offered a hair job that was like for smooth and silky hair. And I'd be like, thank you very much. But actually Anna would be great for this job. Yeah. And we used to do that all the all time. And there was never like, a, oh, how can I, you know, but I need that job, I need the money. That wouldn't have happened in a normal office. Like if someone, you know, if you offered a promotion- Or a pair thought about- To someone. Or like, yeah. yeah. How that, I mean, maybe, maybe it does now, I'm not sure. But I would hope that that would happen more in an office environment now. Like, like you said, putting other women forward and like championing each other, being each other's cheerleaders. Yeah, I think that what you two have, and I, and I hope there are others in your industry that are like this, is you recognise your differences and what each other is good at and why. So it's really obvious to you whether it should be an Anna thing or a Lily thing or a both thing or a neither thing, um, which I think really helps. But also fundamentally, your relationship is um, came first. Your relationship came first, although you this is how you met. You built such a strong relationship that is that is the foundation of your work relationship. Yeah, so so you're you're suggesting it kind of and, th- and this is the hard thing is is you're gonna have I mean, I know that I have people that I still keep in contact with from my workplace and Lily has too. So you have those relationships with people that you develop. It's almost like a friendship, it's a relationship, and then from that you can kind of spark this whole pushing the spotlight onto each other. But I guess that, also that's tricky because you then have to have the friendship first. It's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? You have to sort of be able to put that aside a bit. And like like you said, it's all about taking your ego out and and being able to see the strengths in the, in the team around you and the people around you. Lucy, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this, but as someone, like you said, Gleam has like 80% women or something like that. Do you have issues with like women go like competitiveness against women or is it a supportive environment or a bit of both do you know what I don't know how we've achieved it I really genuinely don't I wish I did because I think that would be valuable insight (laughs) um just for life not just for this um but I think we've hired incredibly well in the sense that the people that we have hired are just not like that so there's very there are there are egos obviously people want the promotion that's normal I think that's hard to avoid and you wouldn't want to avoid it you want a bit of that because it's the um it's ambition sort of tenacity as yeah. well yeah a bit of ambition yeah, of you want those characteristics but fundamentally we've got a lot of a lot of people who are very good people intrinsically good humans um and maybe this stuff goes on that I'm not aware of it's quite possible but on the whole, and especially, I always say this, and I feel bad for saying it, but especially for a group of women that is, it's so heavily dominated by women, it's just not bitchy. Um, it's not bitch, and everywhere else I've worked before, it has been. Um, so, so I don't, I don't know what's gone right, but I think that 
we are pretty vociferous in the hiring process to ensure that we're not hiring people with massive egos who are you know going to elbow each other out of the way and I think almost because we've got so many women it's maybe that helps because it's so far the other way um that we're all there to su- support each other um but I know how common it is that that's not the case I know I know what we've got is quite unusual in that sense it's just it's all about the vibe checking in the job interview it's like vibe check everyone <laughs> like... it is I, I get <laughs> such a strong gut feeling about whether somebody's right or wrong and it's to be honest so much about that because especially in such a new industry it's like you've probably not got that much experience anyway because who does um yeah do you do anything in the company like if someone else a managing director is listening thinking you know we have to we do have quite a bitchy competitive vibe is there anything you think they could do to change that is there anything you think you do that creates that atmosphere of supportive women not competing women I think all you can, really can do other than long long term look at who you're hiring um and also I mean how do you know in it it's so hard to know in an interview whether somebody's good or not um but short term I think it's about rewarding the behaviors that you want people to emulate so um I don't know if you know this we have a thing called gleamy of the month um where, which is <laughs> yeah it's too cute uh, which is um you know nominated by peers and it's it we we thought long and hard about what it was that we wanted to see from people so now when when monthly people are nominating who is who is the best employee of the month they're nominating them against three things that we value um those three things could change so if i was a md of a company who was struggling with that i would adapt those three things for example to be like okay this is what i'm looking for um so I think there's things that you can do like that um, and in terms of, it sounds ridiculous, but KPIs and you've just got to filter it through into everything that you're doing. When you're talking on a Monday morning and talking to the team about what went well last week, there has to be a focus on something that lends itself to, you know, women supporting women or not not being competitive or helping each other out or whatever it might be. It has to infiltrate from the, not from the top, but just from everywhere. Yeah. Love that. I wish I worked again. <laughs> Lily always Lily always says this. She's like, if if this if my career all ends one day, she's like, Can I come work at Gleam? You've said it for years. I literally oh have. My God. <laughs> Do you remember I tried to create a role at Gleam? I was like, I'll be the creative. So if a job comes in and the talent doesn't know how to do it, I'll come up with the idea for them. <laughs> You'd be really good at that, actually. We're never hiring you. <laughs> And then she gets offended. Oh Lucy, as our friend who works in a proper workplace. No, don't say proper. Okay. <laughs> Not our jobs are proper, Anna. Come on. Well, as a, as a friend who works in a work, traditional. a traditional workplace. True. There you go. Thank you for calling me out on that, Lily. Um, what is the deal with maternity leave in the UK? Because there's obviously there's the bare basics. And then there's also it's different. It changes company to company. Like there's the bare basics that companies by law have to provide for their employees. But then obviously different places have, you know, perks on top of that. I tried to work it out on the government website what normal people get and I just couldn't even work it out. It's so complicated. Most of my friends took a year, but I don't think that all of that was paid. I think nine months was paid and then they just took three months holiday. I don't know. Tell us, please tell us. I love that you think I work in HR. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. Because quite honestly, 
So we've had, I think we've had four babies in the entire time of Gleam being a being a company, which is barely anything. Um, and I think a lot of that is to do with the age of people that we have historically employed. So actually, they're all <laughs> they're all now at like an alarm, alarming kind of childbearing age. It's um, it's going to be it's going to be a good few years, I think, <laughs> of lots of mat leave. Um, which is funny because we've, so we've just had Maddie Chester, who, um, bless her, she's probably she'll probably be listening to this because I know she listens to the podcast. She um, she has just gone on maternity leave. She's been with the business a really long time, um, and she's due very soon, um, which is really exciting. Um, but through her process, she's been teaching me about Matt Lee <laughs> because actually, it's a it changes, um, b it's uh, wildly complicated it also it's affected by like how long you've been in the business and things like that oh, so really? it, it's subject to change yeah which means it's really hard I think it's hard as an expectant mother to get your head around what you are and, and then holiday you add holiday into it and you can get a bit more so like so we've adopted our parent company's maternity um, policy which I think is a good thing because our maternity policy before we hadn't we hadn't needed one for a really long time that's what happens when you're a startup you don't necessarily mm. put in all the policies that you need at, at the beginning um and this is definitely an improvement and I believe it's something like four months or five months full pay um and then you go down to statutory um maternity pay which I think is I believe to be relatively generous um I know there are companies who, you know, do. I was honestly, I was reading about it um, over the weekend in anticipation of us talking about this. And there's somebody like Twitter or something or a business like that that do a year Mm. full pay, which is remarkable. So, yeah, I think it varies. I think it varies massively company to company. And obviously, lots of friends have taken mat leave and done all sorts of different things. But one thing I think is really interesting and important that I'm just going to throw in now is... Uh, shared parental leave yeah so we've had a couple of male friends who have taken six months off um and taken you know or or shared yeah shared the load they've done three months three months and you know yeah. split it up like that um and I think that changes everything and that's a relatively um, new which, thing in the UK right yeah and I don't know how many companies are doing it in a, and I say in a meaningful way I just four weeks I think for Rich was one of the first in his massive, massive company to do it because they brought it in like just before we had grain. He had three months off and it was like, whoa, unheard of. It must add like a massive pressure to women as well. Like I know a friend of mine who worked for a massive beauty company for years and then fell out of love with her job, wanted a change. She wanted to move to another, but was like "Mm, 29. If I move now, it's going to mess up my mat leave. The new company doesn't have as good mat leave. I won't have my holidays, like you're saying, if you're new at the company. Because that adds a whole nother pressure to women and their careers that like men usually, I guess maybe the paternity leave now, but usually don't really have to think about. Yeah, I would like to think that, and this is me being a wild optimist as somebody who's 33 and childless, that that will change. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think that... Um, so much of the work for example that mother pucker has done uh, anna whitehouse um around flexible working and um uh child care and and all of these things all of the things that hamper women in the in the workplace or slash in life um i remember seeing something from her where she's like when you're having a job interview you are allowed to ask to see their maternity policy of course mm. you are and and it just 
and I, I get the first women who do that will probably be met with a look of disdain. Um, that's that's just a sad reality. But I think that the more people who do those things, the more it becomes expected. And then it's not, it, it becomes less awkward. But you're right, Lily. It's like, you know, you, I think you'll probably have to be somewhere for a year before your rights kick in. Um, and as you get older, time becomes more precious. So it, it does make it, it does make it harder. I, I wish it was different. Really do. There is so much to unpick here. So much to unpick. That was brilliant. And it was so nice to chat with you. Me, me and Lily, we're like, right, okay, we're, we're in this now. We've got to keep going. But I appreciate Yeah, we've got so back. many other things to chat about and it's getting good. <laughs> You've got work to get back to your brilliant workplace. Thank you for being such an inspiration to us all. We love you. I love that. Thank Thanks you. for having me. And sorry, I don't work in HR and can't provide all the answers. But <laughs> it was brilliant. It was good. Thank you. It's just an alternative view. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me and always happy to have these chats. Aww. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks, <laughs> oh my God, that was so fascinating. I'm so glad we got her on. I knew that she would have some great opinions and like get us thinking and chatting more and she always brings out the best in us yeah and and also there's there is just so much to say I've already just said to Lily I'm like Lily it's gonna be a really long podcast I do think we need to do a two-parter and she's like no we're doing a long one like we're in it now we're just yeah we're giving it to you and I think we have a lot of things to say about maternity leave like obviously I don't have kids but I have friends who have kids and I've I've witnessed what they've gone through and the decisions that they've had to make and then obviously you know you're self-employed And I've seen the changes that you've made to your work and how you and Rich have split things. And it's just like I'm really fascinated about. And you want kids. Like, you know, you want kids in the future. So yeah, something that you're just thinking about in the back of your mind. Yeah. And it's and it's just it's very different for everyone. Everyone is in a very different situation here. And it, it feels like it really resonated with the Facebook group as well. We got loads of questions about, you know, you and Rich and how you've set things up and also just about maternity anyway. Um, Shall I kick things off with this comment from Atisha? Yeah. Atisha said, this is probably due to society and my cultural background, but I feel guilty asking my husband to help with the kids, um, a one and a three-year-old. He wants to help and is fantastic. And we are both doctors, so have busy jobs. But I still feel like I'm failing a little when I can't seem to do everything. I feel like so much is expected for women. Maternity leave, going part-time for a kid, but still have to have a successful career, look the same as before, act the same as before, but also do childcare slash housework. If a man helps out, people comment and say we are lucky to have supportive husbands slash the man gets so much credit. On the flip side, no one ever says the man is lucky as it's apparently our job. I know it's probably a gender stereotype that I consciously need to fight, but Lily, how do you enrich co-parents so beautifully? And do you ever feel guilty slash stressed about it due to society's expectations? I think you're fantastic in the way you are reshaping societal norms. So thank you. Thank you very much. That's so kind. And if I'm honest, I think when I started talking about, I remember being scared to tell people that Rich was going part-time like on the internet. Cause I was like, how is this going to be met? Like I haven't, this is a bit like, ooh. so thank you. I really appreciate that. I feel like I have so much to say about this and I need to try and like condense it down. (laughs) It's just, I think it's two things. I think it's like society's pressures, but also I think it's just like a maternal instinct thing as well that will always be the case. Like biology and our bodies making us feel a certain way because me and Rich do co-parent and we're very equal, yet the emotions I feel and the emotions he feel are so different. Mm. And I find myself going, oh, I feel so guilty for this. And he's like, why? Just, she's fine, chill out. And it's like, 
oh, we're so different in that way. So I do think there's just like a thing in us as biological. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. So don't feel bad about that because I think men and women are different in that way. But there's definitely pressures from society and the whole you're so lucky thing. Oh. I, mean, I find myself saying that to you about Mark and I'm a woman. Like, <laughs> why do we do it? Why do we feel like just if we have a good man, why are we lucky? It should be normal it should it's be crazy, normal yeah and I think that's one thing that I've I've noticed yeah it's like oh Lily's so lucky because Rich has you know days off <laughs> to help with Gray oh my god his work say that they're like how's your day off he's like day off more relaxing <laughs> at work like what? looking after an almost two-year-old it's not a day off <laughs> day off but also it's just it's just him being a parent and you being a parent like yeah and you're splitting you're splitting that. I have this like ingrained paranoia as well. So this morning we had a guy come over to like fix our sofa and it's a work day for me. So Rich was down there with Gray having breakfast and then I like came down to get something and like went back up and I heard him be like, oh, you being good for daddy. And I in my head, I was just like, oh my God, he must be so, he must be thinking like, oh God, she's not very attentive mom. Like she's just gone straight upstairs and like, oh, he looks like he's doing more with her. And oh, I just have this paranoia that people are judging, which is so bad and me and rich had this thing the other day where if i need to work late which i do some evenings because i work part-time and i've got a lot to do he'll do bedtime and if gray was like knocking at my office door which just breaks my heart and rich said no no gray mommy's working and i said please don't tell her i'm working because i don't want her to think like oh mommy's working all the time i was like just say like mommy's doing something else. And I told my sister who also, you know, works and she was like, but shouldn't you be proud? Shouldn't you want Gray to know that you're working? Isn't it a positive thing? And I was like, oh my God, that's so interesting. I don't even know. Like, do I do I want her to know I'm working? It's a good role model. It's a good thing for her to learn. But also I just feel guilty. If it's like, no, you can't go see mommy. She's working. Oh my God, I just felt so torn. It's... Oh. God, it's it's such like I can like see yeah. I can see like the the stress the Ooh. internal struggle. yeah like the internal struggle of this like and it's you're right like you want to be a great role model for your daughter and like that's brilliant that you're working like you're a working mom like Rich is a working dad but yeah you I don't know I don't know that there's an answer to that it's that so that's something that I've struggled with a bit it's like I don't know what I want to whether I want to be proud to be working or like I don't want her to think I'm working all the time and then another thing. The question of like, how do you enrich co-parents so beautifully? Thank you so much. But it does take two to make it work. As much as I think um, the partner and the man need to step up, I also think that as the woman, I needed to back down. And it's almost meeting somewhere in the middle because it's our natural instincts to kind of want to take control and do it all. And I found that a lot at the beginning. But actually, I think what made the biggest difference between us as a relationship is that if he put on the nappy wrong, I didn't tell him. I didn't go, oh, you're doing it wrong. I didn't take over. Or if he makes her something to eat that I wouldn't make us to eat, that's fine. Or if they're going somewhere to play, to a playground that I'm like, oh, I wouldn't go there. Or that bit's a bit dangerous. I don't interfere. Like, or I let him do hair wash nights sometimes. I let him learn how to tie her hair without interfering and just doing it myself. I think that is key. Um, I think it's about letting them do more as well and not just kind of taking control. Um, the only thing that we struggle with is if Grey hurts herself, I like have to go and give her a cuddle. And he's always like, you don't have to take her away from me. Like I can comfort her. And I'm like, this is not a reflection on you. I know you can comfort her. It is me. I, as a mother, <laughs> you need, need to like hold my child when she hurts herself. So it's just practice. And and you know what? I think this is a huge thing to talk about because yeah, yeah from 
from a teacher's point of view, she's like, oh my gosh, you, you co-parent so perfectly. And it's like, there's always going to be struggles. It's yeah. never perfect. You're constantly having to evolve and change and learn. And yeah. it's, it's a constant thing. It's, I find it fascinating. And Danielle asked, this one's more for you, Lily. Sorry, Anna. <laughs> Once you had Grey, how did the discussion between you and Rich come about as to childcare? You seem to equally share the load. How did you get to that point? I feel that it's often assumed that mothers will take the brunt of the childcare, and especially as you work for yourself. I wondered how you have come to your current arrangement or whether it was smooth sailing. Um, yeah, I think before we talked about it a lot before having her, Obviously I work for myself. So we were like, okay, I'll take three months off work and then I'll start work again. <laughs> and so the three months went by and then I was like, okay, wait. And I was like, how do I do this? I just really hadn't thought about it at all. So then we talked about Rich potentially going part-time um, because she was too little to go to nursery and he wanted to be more involved anyway. So it was just a discussion and Rich had the guts to go to his work and ask and say, you know, is there an option for me to go part-time here? And they said- yeah. Yes, obviously you have to take a pay cut, but yeah, they're very good at like being open to discussion when it comes to um, paternity leave um, and going part time. So it was just it was just a discussion, and we we're lucky that his company worked yes. for it. Yeah. So he rich works three days a week, and I work two days a week. It's you're both very lucky to have that flexibility in what you do and yeah. what he does. So for that and. I have to say, like listening to this and listening to what you were saying earlier, I'm I'm a child of parents who both worked when I was younger. My mum worked, my dad worked. And there's such a huge plus side to it. Like I now look back at how my parents manage this. So I've spoken about this before. My dad would work Monday to Friday throughout the day. And then my dad would come home and then swap. And my mum would work sort of six till 10 o'clock at night on an evening workforce and should also work on a Saturday morning as well. So they really, really shared the load. Like my mom, I mean, my mom had us for the whole day and my dad would like feed us, put us to bed. And not, number one, I look back now as an adult and I'm just like, wow, I'm so proud of you two and like so impressed by how you did that because you must have had zero time for yourselves, zero time together, you know, like, and that's so important in a relationship. So kudos for them. I have great memories of growing up and they got on well and like, you know, managed. So that was amazing. And then also I have close relationships with both parents because I had the days with my mom and like my sister had the same. And then the evenings of my dad. And I remember like my dad putting us to bed, my dad like putting music on and we'd sit there and like listen to the music and it just let us like dance around. Like we were on top of the pops. Like it's, and he even said the other day, he was just like, I'm so happy I had that time with you. And it was un uninterrupted time, like time with just him and his girls, like, and he loved that. So there's such a pro to it. And I promise you that Grey will love that she has that with both of you. Yeah, it's so nice. And I think, and I think that pressure of like the woman has to, you know, be, is assumed to be the one to full-time take after the kid. I think it also comes down to earnings and I think oh, quite huge. often the man in the relationship will be the main earner and then it's it, it's hard for women to push back on that and say well I want to go back to work because ultimately it probably comes down to a financial decision and that's where things I'm hoping will start to change that's huge I, I actually did a bit of research into this and looked at the gen the gender pay gap 2020 research that found out that women earn 81 cents obviously like American research but earn 81 cents for every dollar that a man earns and this is what I'm discovering so much in my friendship group. You know, you you and Rich have such a flexible 
working arrangement that and like I see the benefits of that and know how my parents made things work so I kind of love that if that's possible I'm talking to my friends about this and for them it doesn't make financial sense I'm like oh could could dad not take a couple of days and they're like it doesn't make financial sense because the guys are earning more and this comes it is all full circle it's like there's inequality in the workplace there's inequality in education there's inequality in how women and men are brought up and it it goes all the way back to that it's this vicious circle of women not earning as much as men traditionally and the research literally shows that so of course it comes down to the woman to take time off of work and be the main child carer and if they go back after nine (sighs) months just because they want to save their job often their salary would just purely pay for nursery which is free at that age so you're literally just working to pay for the nursery but you don't you can't leave your job because you want to stay in it for when your kids are back at school it's just like oh it's so the pressure's crazy I don't think there's it's, it's annoying to sit here and be like what is the solution but from talking to Lucy Lucy's right it's it's making those changes in the workplace it's shared paternity leave becoming more of a thing and it, it goes all the way back. It's like, woo, rewind, all the way back down to like childhood. Like, And it's the language. We don't need to be impressed when dads are looking after their kids yeah. or making lunch for their kids. I mean, I love my mum, but she she's she praises Rich every day. I mean, <laughs> it is good, but like, it's okay that he knows how to make lentil pasta. It's like, I know how to make lentil pasta yeah. too, but no one would pat me on the back. I think we just need to be more open-minded about yes. co-parenting and not be shocked by it. And actually, it's where I live, it's so common. You go to a baby class and half the room are dads and half the room are mums. So that's great. That's amazing. That's, that's progress. And then, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we went into that one. We got a load <laughs> of questions as well about the workload at home, which I find fascinating. Obviously, I can't really dabble in like maternity stuff right now, but I can dabble in this. And Emma said, what are your thoughts on dividing up work with a partner? Work including cleaning, cooking, washing, general chores, but also organizing and planning. I have a very fair split of cleaning with my husband, but I notice I am the one who always organizes us and takes care of planning everything from meals to holidays. A great topic to discuss. There's so much to talk about. Um, Yes. You know what? I actually really resonate with Emma here because me and Mark, we have our cleaning down. Like we have the cleaning down. He has his rooms that he likes to clean. He likes to clean the bathroom in the kitchen. Crazy, crazy guy. I like to do any rooms that just involve like a dust and a hoover. I just love hoover. I just think hoover is the most satisfying thing. But I do notice that I am still, I do a lot of the meal planning. And yeah, like holidays, maybe it's because I'm, I'm naturally a planner. So like I enjoy that kind of thing. But sometimes he's like, what, what are we eating this week? And I'm like, I don't know. What do you want to, what do you want to eat this week? Yeah. Like, I get that. I feel like I can't jump in on this one because uh, <laughs> we have a totally unequal relationship when it comes to most of those things. Cause Rich is hundred percent better at all of that than I am like managing the home. I think in terms of the mental load, I'm much better at like organizing our lives and our plans and our social life and making things nice around the home. Like we would not have one single thing on the wall or anything like that if it, you know, when it comes to it. But um, he's much better at like cleaning the house and <laughs> meal planning and things like that. But I think talking to friends and stuff, there's definitely this mental load thing where yeah. the woman feels like she's in charge of the house when it comes to that. And I think in terms of just taking the pressure off, it always comes down to just communication and rather than just assuming they know how to help, just say, I would really love your help with X, Y, and Z. 
oh, you've got to talk. You have to talk. You have to say, yeah. like, maybe you're having a bad week. Maybe they're having a bad week. Maybe you're just like, I I don't have the brain power to think about this right now. Like, yeah. you have to communicate. Absolutely. I think that is, like, the number one solution to this. And it's exactly what you were saying about childcare as well. Let's stop having such low expectations. Like, yeah. we all know how to operate a hoover. Yes. You know? <laughs> we all know how to operate a hoover. I really like this next question from Len who asked, when did equality become a reality for you both? Or was it never an issue given the environment you're in and the people you surround yourselves with? I'm about to get married and this became so real to me when it's an expectation in my country that women change their name to take on their husband's last name. You still have a choice, but it's crazy how local agencies assume this on certain paperwork once you declare your status. Why do the women have to go through all the paperwork (sighs) to change legal documents? It all became real for me then as I've never really been aware or thought I was treated unfairly as a woman. I mean, it's the same for me, like late 20s. Late 20s, I was like, bam, bam, one thing after the next, where I was like, whoa. I literally feel like I woke up and was like, I was not aware of all of these things before. Which shows how lucky and privileged we've been up until this point. And I think we've worked in quite female-dominated workplaces. That might not have been something that we experienced so much in the workplace, when we yeah, but I also up. think when you start doing things like getting married and buying property, mm. that's when these like really old school traditions start popping up. And you're like, before that, you're just living in your family, being like a little independent woman. And then you're like, oh, that's crazy. Like, I agree, the paperwork. <sighs> there was one time when I went to the bank and I had to change my surname and address because I'd moved house and got married. And it was so, so difficult. <laughs> and I just remember Rich being like, oh my God, it's crazy that he just doesn't have to do it. It was just like one of those things. I'm not going to lie. I think I've only just changed my name. On my, dri- on my driving license <laughs> exactly <laughs> which i think is actually illegal ah sorry <laughs> but, but it's we, because, we, yeah a hundred percent exactly the same thing like i honestly found changing all of my stuff from the wedding for changing names i'm also can i just say i'm so pro do whatever the hell you want with your name absolutely we went through every option it wasn't oh, you really did no way we i was she was gonna take my name we were gonna make a new name um, we just settled on taking his in the end. But I was like, the fact that we went through the options, that that's important to me. Um, but all the wedding assumptions and like taking his surname, speeches, it was like, oh, you're not, you know, you're yeah. doing a speech as well. Oh, you're, you've got a, a an MC who's like your female best friend. We had a few things when buying our property as well. Like I remember the estate agent would only look at Rich and only talk to Rich. Oh, Oh, I hate time. that. I hate that. And I just remember thinking, like, he thinks Rich is buying this flat for me. He literally didn't yeah. make eye content. I found that awful. Little things like that as well. And also, when me and Rich bought our flat, we weren't married yet. We were just going out. So um, we actually created a contract, which I think is quite a sensible thing. And I think like a few people were like, mm, "This is new," but I put in a little bit more money than Rich did. So we had a contract to say that if we broke up we'd get the same money back that we put in. And I thought that was a very sensible thing to do. But I think that was a little bit kind of controversial at the time. Yeah, but also from being in a position where I've seen someone get so royally effed through putting more in, getting married, and then, oh, it's 50-50 after that, and not having anything in writing that said the difference. Like, yes, 100%. (laughs) We didn't do it for the house. Once we were married, it felt different. But yeah, yeah, exactly. It was going to happen. Exactly. Like, get things down in writing. Yeah, so many things that you're saying right there. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Like, all of these things. Do you find people will, like, address Mark instead of you when it comes to, like, financial things? Yeah, absolutely. There's just a societal thing that 
I people were like when I you know took my work full time and I was like right I'm quitting my job and I'm doing this full time the assumption that Mark was supporting me through it financially and still was three four five years six seven eight no you know what, what how many years down the line with our businesses now like eight nine years down the line and at, at the beginning yeah absolutely like he really helped me out like big time like there's no way I could have afforded my half of our rent at the time um but that didn't last very long couple of months like couple of months and it was all fine but there was definitely people in our lives that years later years later still believed that I was just at home twiddling my hair whilst Mark was financially funding our whole lives um and yeah I I really struggle but they got a shock when he quit his job to work with you have you have you had any sort of like what's the reaction been to that yeah oh there was actually like a couple of questions about this like yeah the fact that me and Mark work together and ultimately it is technically like originally my business oh my word people get their knickers in a right old twist about it um and would they if it was the other way around no what if you were his like secretary well, Mark, like Mark at the moment, like we're, we're getting a lot of restoration work done in the house, lots of renovations. And Mark is talking to a lot of women who we assume like work work with their husbands. Like they they do all the paperwork and their husbands are the builders, whatever. That's fine. That's okay. And Mark's like, do you think anyone ever says to these women, like, how do you feel like working for your husband? Like, are, do you feel, do you feel little? Like, do you... And, People, people said like one of Mark's friends was like, oh, might as well just like cut your balls off, mate. Like serious, <gasps> serious. Um, and Mark's like, I love working together with you. We're two years down the line now. Like, hello, I didn't mention that me and Mark worked together for a whole year online because of this reason. Because of this reason that, you know, I'm some kind of ball buster. Mark might as well just cut his balls off. Like how, yeah, I really- I hate that under the thumb yes. thing, that saying, oh my God, that needs to go in I really, really struggled with that. I was like, we're doing this for us and our lives and it makes financial sense. And so, so many different things, so many different things. It was just the right thing for us to do all round. Like Mark was unhappy in his job. Like I never would have dragged him away from- a career that he was loving and thriving in. Like, he's so much happier now as a person. And I'm not just saying that. Like, he tells me that all the time. He's lying. He told he me he hates working all the time. But <laughs> I, re- I really, really struggled with that. Like, and I think people were so freaking rude and so judgmental. Yeah. And this is not just online. This is people in real life. People in real life, people online really, yeah, were very taken back by the whole thing crazy mad mad okay just for the final bit of this podcast we thought we would touch on educating women on health decisions i think this is a huge part of like yeah the topic for me i think um we've got a question here from eleanor who asked have you ever felt like your health suffered for being a woman it's well known that women's health is severely under research and that doctors dismiss women's pain far more than men's i think that's so interesting because i also think that women are more likely to speak up and be more self-aware. Like within my bubble, I know that's definitely the case. Like the men in my life are like so bad at just being like aware of their own health and their own body. Whereas I feel like women are like, oh, we've got this, I better go check it out. But I do agree that the other side, maybe women are taking less seriously. Yeah, trying to get Mark to take paracetamol is like, 
I mean, <laughs> imagine trying to get to the doctors. But yeah, I, I, I agree about this. And, and me and Lily really wanted to add this in because there is just so much that you do not learn about the female body at school or, or it's all very, we've had to share this information between ourselves as we've grown up. Like it was never told to us. We were never educated about this. Talking about periods, pregnancy, checking your boobs, menopause, like the list is endless with these kinds of things. And it feels like we've, we've had to take that on and educate ourselves but, and, and share that so information. I feel like menopause menopause is not talked about enough like as someone in their 30s I feel like I should be seeing this topic I still don't really even understand what it is and when it happens I know nothing about menopause I know not much about me- and I really should I know not much about menopause aside from that my mom was like really really hot for like a few years yeah. you know like and isn't that terrible like yeah and I think there's shame from women about going on like certain medication for it like I mean I don't know enough about it to talk about it but yeah that's here still as an example now in 2021 why do yeah. we not know more about menopause it's crazy have you ever had a time where you feel like your health wasn't taken seriously I think when I maybe I don't know if it was not that it was taken seriously but I feel like as women we always have little things Mm. like I know it's quite hard with boobs because we're we hormones I think it's quite hard often for women to get diagnosed because it's like oh it's hormone related like my sister had a bit of a scare with that um I had to go private for a urethral stricture which is like I don't know I'm sure I told you before when like the tube is like too narrow and for years I was misdiagnosed as just having UTIs. And I knew that it was worse than that. I was like a young teen. I was like, this is the most horrendous thing ever. And it's like, I think there's so many things that we have. It's like, oh, it's a UTI. And it's like, I just don't think it is. And I ended up having like three operations Oof. throughout my teens for it. And I think you have to really push, push for things. If you know this isn't, this isn't right. It always reminds me of Chris Helenga, who was misdiagnosed for her breast cancer for so the long. founder of copper and she just kept going yeah. back yeah she just kept going back um because she knew she knew that something was up she i think there's exactly. a lot around contraceptive and i just remember like there was no conversation about the contraceptive pill with my gp whenever i went it was just like cool yeah this is the one that you're on and then they didn't like that one anymore and there was a cheaper one that they wanted to put me on so they put me on a cheaper one and that just sent my hormones all over the shop and i had to beg 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 <laughs> to be like please I don't not necessarily the one I was on before but you know can I change my pill like this is just really not agreeing with me for so many different reasons my skin my mood just everything so yeah I, do, I know what you mean about having to really advocate for ourselves in those situations I think like we've talked a lot about like women supporting women in this episode which I think is like the strongest messaging part of all of mm. this and nothing has kind of felt that more to me than when I gave birth. And just even being in a maternity ward, it's just like female <laughs> empowerment. Yeah. Like when after I gave birth to Grey, I've never experienced a feeling like that. Like we can say now that like, yeah, we're all for female empowerment, but it was like, I like felt it. I felt like a superhero. I just, I almost like, it's terrible, but I was hated men for like a day. Just cause I was just like, I just remember being like, it's unbelievable what we yeah. do. And I f- really felt passionate about it. And after I had Grey, we had some issues with feeding and she lost a lot of weight and we were rushed back into hospital. And we had a couple of days and I've, I've told this story before and it was really like traumatic. But eventually when it came to getting her weighed and be, potentially being discharged, they were like, great, she's put on enough weight 
so you're able to go home and it had been just been the worst few days ever and I was so relieved and the midwife said to me you know there's a lady in the ward next door who's gone through exactly the same thing as you and we've just weighed her baby and the baby hasn't reached the right weight so she has to stay here for another night and I just was like I don't I didn't know anything about this lady and I remember Rich thinking like it's a bit weird first thing I said was can I go see her the midwife was like um <laughs> oh, uh, I'll, I'll have to go and ask her if that's okay. And I was like, I didn't even know why I said it. It came yeah. out of my mouth. I was like, can I go see her? So she went to ask and she was like, yes, she said you can if you want. So I said to Rich, before we go, we'd all packed up. I was like, I'm just going to go and see her. And I went around to the ward. God, it makes me like emotional thinking Aww. about it. But I went around to the ward and this lady was sitting there and she was completely by herself. She didn't have anyone with her, which I didn't actually know. And I just sat on the bed next to her and put my arm around her. And I was like, do you know what? I promise you it's going to be okay. Like, I promise you, your baby will put on the weight and you'll be able to go home soon and just do what you need to do. Do whatever is best for you. Do whatever's best for you and your baby. It will be absolutely fine. And I think she was, we didn't say much, but I think she was really grateful just to have someone who'd been in the same position, another woman, just kind of comfort her. And this was in 2019 and with everything that happened last year with the Black Lives Matter movement, this whole story has taken on a whole new level for me and it's something I think about all the time. I read Candice Brathwaite's book, I'm Not Your Baby Mama, and the crazy statistics that came out last year about black women in the UK who are like four times more likely to die in pregnancy and childbirth. And so this story, which at the time was just a small part of my kind of journey, is just I think about it all the time and I think about that woman and I mean, I hope that the next day yeah. she went home and everything was absolutely fine, but... I cannot tell you like one day Anna, when you have a baby, like it is the most empowering thing ever. And you have a newfound respect for every other woman. And it's just, yeah, that was like a big moment for me that I think about a lot. You're making me emotional. <laughs> I know, so it really was mental. And it just came out of nowhere. And I just needed like, I felt like I needed, maybe because I'd just become a mom. I felt like I needed to go and like comfort this person. And I didn't even know that she was on her own. Like, I'm just so happy I did. And I don't even know if it made a difference, but... I think if it was me, I would have wanted someone to come over and just put their arm around me and said, it's going to be okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm making Anna cry. <laughs> okay, I need a moment. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Lily. Okay, so I've just cried for five minutes. But you know what? I think this all comes down to just women supporting other women. This is like the ultimate thing of this episode is like, be nice. Pick each other up. Yeah. Put your arm around another woman mm. and be like, you got this. You're going to be okay. Absolutely. I think that's the most that we can do. Um, I agree. <laughs> Let's not <laughs> start crying again. again. Okay, to finish things <laughs> off, Jasmine asked, best nuggets of advice you could give as women in your 30s to women in their 20s? I was hoping that you had something really amazing to say here because mine's empty because I think you kind of just... <laughs> live you learn from life experiences and I don't really know what I could have done differently and whether I would have felt differently if anyone older than me had said so I kind of agree do you have any good I kind of agree I've written a couple of nuggets but I think you're so right I think it's just like you live you learn like uh, I feel like that advice would probably be the same all the way through life oh I have something I have something that kind of goes with the women supporting oh yeah someone else's happiness doesn't subtract from your own does that make sense just because someone else has something doesn't mean you can't have it so it's not a competition if someone else has got something you want use it as an inspiration to become that as well I love that that you know what that is 
far better advice than anything that I've written down here. I just wrote <laughs> boundaries. I think boundaries are really important and that's definitely something that comes with time. Like you learn to, you learn like where to give yourself and where to like hold yourself back. Like you learn where to place your energy where it's best used. And it, that's kind of what you were saying there as well. Like you learn where to focus it. I would also say, don't rush. Like don't look sideways. Like don't focus on mm. what other people are doing. Support them in what they're doing, but don't feel like just because they're doing something, they've gone for a promotion, they're moving, they're buying a house, they're getting married, they're having kids, whatever. Don't look at any of those things and compare yourself and think that it's it's your timeline too. Cause it's not, we're all on our own timelines. And we can all support each other and you you don't need to put that additional pressure on yourself and also Absolutely. educate yourself this is one thing that as I've got older it's like if I don't know the answer that's okay you can say I'm not sure I know the answer to that right now I'm not sure I can give you an opinion or whatever so read up on it yourself whether that's maternity leaving your workplace or learning about the menopause like I definitely know me and Lily will be doing a couple of googles after this like don't don't be embarrassed if you don't know everything. You're not going to know everything, but but take like respect yourself and make do that education yourself. Because um, I feel like I learn so much through through that. Wow! There you go. Wow. <laughs> it's probably a three-hour episode, but I really hope ride. you guys enjoyed the it. Wild ride that ended up um, literally me and Lily like both in tears. Oh my word! Crying. <laughs> sorry sorry if I made anyone cry thank you for listening though like we're so happy to be back we hope that you enjoyed this episode there will be another nine episodes before we take a short little break and come back with another season after that there'll be some less intense ones too with just random yes. Q&A's about what our favourite <laughs> yes. crisps are don't worry for sure don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use and remember to join the At Home With Facebook group to join in the conversation and well sending your questions for upcoming episodes um but also just to have a chat come yeah join. have a chat and do some sweets yeah <laughs> a lot of that, that going on i love it and um, you can find us on instagram i'm at lily pebbles and anna is at the anna edit and thank you so much for our very patient <laughs> editor and producer joel Thanks, Joe, and we will see you next thursday for a new episode see ya bye bye